I mean, one of the starting points for this book was a curious incident. When I was at school, I had a group of close friends. Uh, I went to one university, one of them went to another, and I lost touch with him. He was called Alex. And I continued to imagine, he was cleverer than I was, got a first-class degree and all that. And I sort of occasionally would find myself wondering what had happened to him, uh, where he was in the world. Perhaps he was sort of high up in the civil service or maybe in the BBC or something like that. I thought I might run into him. And then when I was in my 50s, I met on the London Underground another of my group of friends from way back with whom I'd stayed in slightly more contact. And I said, do you see Alex nowadays? And he said, no, Alex killed himself when he was in his mid-20s. And so I realized that I had been, for 25 years of my life, I had been imagining this guy as still being alive. This is after I got over the immediate shock of his suicide. Imagining this guy alive for 25 years, and then having to sort of recalibrate all those occasional memories and thoughts I've, I've had of him. Also, recalibrate what sort of a person he was uh, to have killed himself, and whether I could work that out in terms of what I'd known. I mean, I've had occasions where I've sort of subsequently rearranged history. Well, tell me about the narrator of your novel, uh, Tony Webster. How would you describe him? I'd describe him as an ordinary, sensible chap who's tried to avoid too much difficulty in his life, who's tried to avoid conflict, who's not been, as far as he knows, unpleasant or, or nasty or malicious to anyone. He's now retired. He must be, therefore, in his early 60s, who had a marriage, but it went wrong. His wife left him for someone else, had a child. And he sort of made his accommodation with life, or he thinks he has, and has got through life without too much damage. It's about that as well. It's about someone who lives their life in a not exactly negative or passive, but in a slightly avoiding way. One, one of my favorite lines is when Tony says, I don't like mess and I, I don't even like leaving a mess. I've opted for cremation, if you want to know. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, that's the sort of guy he is, yes. And then he gets, uh, he gets a lawyer's letter out of the blue, which sets him off on a trail in the course of which much of what he thought was the case turns out not to be so. Well, it, there, it seems that there's an underlying, a kind of terrifying question here, which is, what if we are not who we think we are? Yes. I, I mean, I think unless we have a profoundly divided personality, we're something related to what we think we are. Um, about five years ago, I wrote a book called Nothing to be Frightened of, which was a sort of um, semi-memoir, semi and also it was about death. And it featured my, my brother, and we had a discussion, he and I, about memory. He's a philosopher. He's been a, a philosopher all his life. And he said that he regarded all memories as unsound, and memory as really being something much closer to the imagination than anything else. And I thought, that's just because he's got a bad memory and I've got a good memory. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the line I took in the book. Um, and he also said to me when I was writing it, he said, um, by the way, if our memories conflict, choose yours over mine because yours is probably the sounder one, which I thought was extremely generous uh, for someone who was going to appear in his brother's book. Hmm. But in the sort of five years that have elapsed since I wrote that book, I'm almost coming around to my brother's point of view. And I, I feel that memory is not just unreliable and increasingly so through life, but that it is generated as much by the imagination as by any sort of, you know, exact record-keeping machine that we have up in, in our brain. 
Well, you have another passage in the novel which gets at this idea exactly, and I'm wondering if you could read that for us. As sure. Tony is recalling a story that he's told himself, but it, he's wondering whether it's actually true or not. Tony goes to Bristol, which is a, a, a university city, and that's where he meets Veronica, who's a fellow student, and they take up together. And he's remembering this when he's about 40 years later. That night, a group of us went to Minsterworth in quest of the seven boar. Veronica had been alongside me. My brain must have erased it from the record, but now I knew it for a fact. She was there with me. We sat on a damp blanket on a damp riverside holding hands. She'd brought a flask of hot chocolate. Innocent days. Moonlight caught the breaking wave as it approached. The others whooped at its arrival and whooped off after it, chasing into the night with a scatter of intersecting torch beams. Alone, she and I talked about how impossible...